autumn festivals, which God gave Israel to celebrate. And this week, we're going to consider the first of those three, which is the Feast of Trumpets. And so from our Bibles, I'll read to us from Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 to 25. And all that we do this morning, that is forming the foundation and the launch for what we look at. So let's hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. The Feast of Trumpets. Let me pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would teach, rebuke, correct, and train us. Lord, that your word would shape our hearts and minds. Lord, that we would hear what your word has to say as being your very word. And so, Father, we need your help. May you grant your Holy Spirit, Lord, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Please soften our hearts and shape us, that we would be men and women who live for your glory and are ready for the day of the trumpet. In Jesus' name, amen. How will the world come to an end? How will the world come to an end? There's a fancy word in theology called eschatology. Esca means last, ology is study, and so eschatology is study of last things. And for Christians, we should be serious, all of us, about looking at eschatology, about thinking about last things. But interestingly, the world is also very preoccupied with eschatology. They clearly don't use the word. They clearly don't have much time for talking about last things with Christians. But the world is constantly thinking about the end of the world in one way or another. Constant musings about apocalyptic events that would bring things to an end. The extinction of humanity or the destruction of the earth. If you go back sort of into the 50s, 60s and 70s of last century, there was this constant fear of nuclear war, the Cold War. Somehow we might blow ourselves up. And so everyone was on edge. Interestingly, during the 80s and 90s in my youth, there was this real shift towards movies about the end of the world. The world's going to end with an asteroid's going to hit us or a, or a meteor's going to strike the earth or alien invasion. There was a whole flurry of these films that came out. But then in our time, as I've gotten older and... For some of us, as we grow up, we are hearing more and more that we will be the cause of the end of the world. We think about words like sustainability. Why is that so important? Because ultimately, it's about sustaining the human race by maintaining the ecological balance that's needed to support life. We hear words and much has been spoken about climate change, that the effect we people are having is causing the temperature to rise. And if we're not careful, some argue, it's going to be catastrophic, unre unreversible, irreversible. Unless we change our ways, this planet will get hotter and hotter and life won't be sustainable. But common to all these, really, even during the movies of the 80s and 90s and 
the issue of the planet and how we're potentially destroying it today is that man, humanity, and his ingenuity can organize things so as to save the planet. If you've watched those movies, that meteor's coming, they build a rocket, they build a big nuclear bomb, they're going to blow up the meteor that's going to strike the earth. We can save ourselves. Climate change, what's going on there? We need to change things. If we change things, we can stop it and we can save the planet. There's no thought of God. Some of those end of the world movies, the versions that came, there was one, I can't remember which one it was, in the 50s actually had people going to the church to pray. The remake of the film had no thought of God or prayer. It was more about how we can blow this thing up. End of the world, how will it happen? And as I said, the unbelieving world is actually very preoccupied with thoughts about the end of the world. Yet none of those things which I mentioned will actually bring about the end of the world. How do I know? Because the Bible says how the world will end. Those things, if we're not careful, could make life more miserable. They're not going to bring about the end of the world because the end of the world is in God's hands. And God tells us what to expect and how the end of this age will come. And believe it or not, the passage that we just read from Leviticus chapter 23 about the Feast of Trumpets is pointing towards that day. The day the world will come to an end. This age will cease to be. And so there's an outline that'll sit up there for you to look to and give you a bit of an idea where we're going. But firstly, we think about the doctrine or the truth. What does the Bible say? Because then we think about how we live. The Christian life is always based upon truth and reason. Nothing's done mindlessly. But firstly, the day of the trumpet is the day of the Lord. It's the day, not when an asteroid's going to hit the earth, not when a meteor's going to collide, not then we're going to burn ourselves up. It's the day where Christ himself shall come. And it'll be a day of harvest. God gave Israel seven feasts that they would remember every year. And a common metaphor to those feasts had to do with harvest. The spring harvest festivals, we remember at Easter. The four feasts, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. They're a package. The spring festivals, and they point towards Jesus' first coming. But the ones we're going to focus on today are the autumn festivals, the autumn harvest festivals, the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Booths, because they point to the end of this age, the coming of Jesus. The first day of the autumn festivals begins on the first day of the seventh month with the Feast of Trumpets. A few, nine days later on the 10th of the month is what we looked at last week as the Day of Atonement. And then on the 15th day of the month, if you were to read down in Leviticus chapter 23, comes the Feast of Booths. So there's the Trumpet, then there's a Day of Atonement, and then there's the Feast of Booths. And that Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles is the happiest of festivals. It's the Feast of Feasts, they say. It's of all the festivals, that's the one that is full of the greatest gladness and joy. And it's the blast of the trumpets that launches and says the Day of Atonement is near and the, day of the Feast of Tabernacles is near. And being a harvest festival, the Feast of Booth only takes place at the, after the harvest has been gathered in. 
And in the Bible, and as you listen to Jesus, harvest is very important as a metaphor. Because at the end of the harvest, what happens? The grain is brought in to the barn or the chaff is burned up in the fire. That's what the end of the harvest brings about. Likewise, when that trumpet blasts, and has sounded, souls will be gathered into the kingdom of heaven or the wicked will be cast into the fires of hell. That's the destiny that is locked in. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And I'll start reading from verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect, harvest his people from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Move down to verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken. And one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Earlier in that chapter, we're told a bit more about what the world will be like. It says false teaching will abound about Christ. So it won't be this completely atheistic experience. False teaching about Christ will abound. False Christs will abound, claiming to be Jesus. Wars, nation against nation, famines, earthquakes, pestilence. COVID-19, a pestilence. Christians being persecuted around the globe. All nations hating Christ. We also have the sad reality, many will fall away. Many who claim to follow Christ, their love for him will grow cold. They will love the world more than the Lord. And this great tribulation of suffering There'll be false prophets, so false teachers, counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders. So the world will be far from unspiritual, it'll be full of false spirituality. The gospel, we are told, will be preached to the ends of the earth. At the same time, we see people will be getting married and being given in marriage. That is the world in which Christ will come and complete the harvest and gather his people in. And so the Feast of Trumpets is the day of the Lord. That's how the age will come to an end. It'll be 
announced, we will hear it, a blast of a trumpet. And that trumpet sound is sort of double-edged because it is the trumpet blast that is telling us for those who are in Christ, you will share in the wonderful Feast of Booths, the festival of joy and gladness, feasting in the kingdom of heaven. But it's also one that's announcing a day of wrath is coming. And to get to the Feast of Trumpets, sorry, the Feast of Booths, you need to pass through the wrath. And that day is drawing closer, the day of the trumpet. No one knows the day or the hour, only the Father. I'm sure we can think of many times you've heard people on the news or in the paper or in our own circles saying, someone's heard or someone's saying they know when the day's coming. The Bible says no one knows. It'll be like a thief in the night. But the reality is every day is a day closer. Every second is a second closer. All we are doing is moving closer to the day the Father has fixed. The age will end with the trumpet blast. The two things we see about the trumpet blast, firstly, it's a day of gladness, a day of joy. As you read through the opening books of the Bible and God established his people Israel and he actually had them make two silver trumpets that only the priest could blast. But the blasting of the trumpet was a common sign that God was doing something. When the Lord descended on Mount Sinai, a trumpet blast from heaven came. The presence of God has come. In the midst of trouble, if they were to blast the trumpet, it was to remind the people and to remind God of his people, to remind them God has not forgotten them. When the trumpet was blasted, it meant God's people were to gather and come together before the Lord. I've just called it the pack your bags call. When the trumpet blasted, it meant... God's people are on the move. The camp was packing and they were moving. And each new month, the new beginning, the trumpet was blasted. And so at the Feast of Trumpets, on that first day of the seventh month, the trumpet sounds and it's a call that the harvest is over. Come and assemble before the Lord. God has finished gathering in his elect from the four corners of the earth and God will gather them before him and the sound of that trumpet is that day has come. The Lord has come in his presence. Come before him. You're on the move. And as you are gathered up into his presence, it's a day of gladness and joy because it means your next reality is going to be the Feast of Tabernacles. You are people who will share in the festival that is the most joyous one at the end of the harvest where you'll feast in the kingdom of heaven. You have a seat at the table. And that by God's grace, you have passed through the wrath. You have not been cut off, but you are welcomed into the kingdom. What a great day it will be. The harvesting of God's people, the gathering them in. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So we hear more wonderful things about this day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. And this is a word given to people in the church who have lost loved ones, people who have died in, in Christ. Encourage them, don't lose heart. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The day we hear that trumpet, the Lord has come. The age has come to an end. The new age begins. When you hear the trumpet, look to the sky. I remember when I was little, I used to not enjoy playing cricket, but everyone had to do sport when I was growing up in South Africa, and I'd be on the field, and I'd still remember reading passages of the Bible, and I still remember in primary school looking to the heavens, knowing the Bible said Jesus is going to come in the clouds. And that's where my imagination used to go. What's that day going to be like? Just as well the ball didn't really get hit to me. But the day of trumpets, look to the sky, because your Lord has come. You will see him coming on the clouds, just as he said he would. The day of your gladness, the Lord has not forgotten you. And even if you're in your grave, you will not miss it because you will be brought forth from your grave. Christ will call you forth to join in because you are part of his wonderful harvest into his barn. John the Baptist. John the Baptist says Jesus' winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, that's the earth, and gather his wheat, that's his people, into the barn, the kingdom of heaven. We read in verse 24, how will that happen? He will send his angels out with the trumpet call and gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. God's angels, the Lord's angels swooping down across the entire globe. Not one of God's children will be missed. And even if you're in the grave, you won't be missed for the Lord will raise you to life and you'll be gathered up. And a day of joyful transformation turned to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 50. One Corinthians 15 verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must be put must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. The day the trumpet sounds is the day you receive your new body. If you're in the grave, you receive your resurrection body. And we see God doing a wonderful work of creation through his son. Just as the beginning, when the Lord created by his word, he said, and it was so. So at the end of the age, he will say, be transformed into your new body. And in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be transformed. No waiting. And your body will become imperishable and immortal, a body fit for eternal life. The moment you hear the trumpet sound, that is coming. That's about to take place. The day that trumpet blasts for the people of God is a day of gladness. For you're on your way to feast in the feast of tabernacles in the heavenly realms to come and inherit the earth. Why? Because by God's grace through faith in Jesus, you've been spared what comes in between the wrath. Christ has atoned for you. 
that you can be brought to the feast and have that new body. The blast of the trumpet reminds you you have not been forgotten. But on that day, it'll be a terrible day because it'll also be a day of doom. It's a bit like when the Israelites went into the land of Canaan. It was a day of blessing and a day of curse. Blessing for they were receiving their inheritance, but judgment upon the wicked. When the trumpet is blasted in the Bible, the Lord tells them in the books of the law, it's a blast to assemble for war. It's for the armies to come and gather. It's the blast that sends them into the fight. It's the blast that is the alarm that danger is coming. The watchman on the wall will blow the alarm with the trumpet that danger is coming. It's the blast that says judgment is upon us. The end of the harvest ends with two ways. As we've seen, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. That feast of atonement tells us that after the trumpet comes, there is wrath that we need to be able to pass through because without Christ, we will be consumed by the wrath that is to be poured out. We read in Matthew 24 that when he appears, the sign of the Son of Man, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. It'll be too late. It'll be a day of great alarm for the wicked. The wicked will look to the heavens and they will faint in terror. They'll be filled with dread. For they'll see Jesus, the Lord of hosts. That's one of the most common names for Jesus in the Old Testament, is Lord of hosts, Lord of armies, descending with his armies, his myriad upon myriad of angels, his power unmatchable, his glory weighing down upon the wicked. The day of the trumpet blast is the terrible day of the Lord. Turn with me to Zephaniah towards the end of the Old Testament. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. Then you get Matthew. The third last book of the Old Testament, Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter. great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. The day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord and the fire of his jealousy or the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. And that day will come suddenly like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. 
and they will not escape. There have been many days of the Lord, as you read through the Bible, days of wrath and judgment, but they will fade into insignificance compared to the day of the Lord. Mighty men will cry out in, in fear. They will wail. It will far surpass the day of Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction. It will even be more terrible than the days of the flood. In Jude, we read this, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. No one will endure that day. No one will escape it. The wicked will be cut off forever. For their sins have not been atoned for. The wrath of the Lord will consume them. They will never share in the feast of booths and of gladness. They will be cast away into the fire. And that day will ultimately culminate with Christ seated on his glorious throne. And before him, all the nations will be gathered. Even the wicked who have perished shall be raised to life to face Christ on his throne. And they'll be sent away into eternal punishment, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The sound of the trumpet means the end. The end. The harvest is finished. All that is gathered will be sorted. The barn or the fire, the kingdom of heaven or hell. That's how this age will end. So don't get unsettled when you hear all the other things being shared. Be wise, be stewards, but the Lord will bring about the end. And so how should we live in the light of that truth? Firstly, to the saved, the constant application, wherever you read, always turns to your life. Live for the king. Be found living for the king. Having called on the name of Jesus to be saved, listen to him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If Jesus says it, do it. Jesus says, don't, don't. The other pictures of him being the master and us as servants be found on about the master's work. That is the constant application. Be living for Jesus. Stay sober. Don't get distracted. Don't live as if this day is not going to come in your lifetime. Paul lived as if it was going to come in his lifetime. We live as if it's going to come in my lifetime. My dad lived as if it was going to come in his lifetime. Live as if it could come now. So that you're on about the master's work. Be fruitful. Be doing the good works which the Father has prepared for us to do. So be in the word, be applying the word, be loving the word. Encourage one another. When you read from 1 Thessalonians 4 about the day we'll be raised and transformed, raised from the dead and come before the Lord. It said, encourage each other with these words. We read in Hebrews, do not give up meeting together 
as the day is approaching. We need to be encouraging each other, meeting together, gathering, speaking into each other's lives. Christ is coming. Maranatha, our Lord, come. Sadly, that scene is a bit of an untrendy thing of the 70s. Maranatha, no, it's the word of God's people through the ages. Our Lord, come. Because it's the day of our gladness. The day of the wedding between the bride and, his, and her husband, the church, Christ, the husband. It's the day. Encourage each other with it. You know those around you who are struggling or suffering or sick or burdened. and Encourage each other. This day is coming. Don't lose heart. The great prophet Elisha got sick in an illness. He prayed, Lord, take it away. He died from sickness. He had a double portion of the spirit. But he lived in hope. Read Hebrews 11. They knew this day was coming, so they lived in hope. Noah went out the front of his place and started building a big boat because he knew this day was coming. If we can encourage each other and be so assured and confident and affirming of this great day, we will live for Christ. We won't shrink back. And thirdly, there's sound the alarm. To some measure, if we know and we can see the danger coming, we're all watchmen. The people around us are getting married and being given in marriage. They're drinking and they're partying. They're going out and they're coming in. They have no thought. They do not see what is coming. We are called to sound the alarm. If you know the destruction is coming upon your house, upon your city and your town, and you don't say anything, that's terrible. The watchman who fails in his task was put to death. We need to have a heart for those who will perish. We need to love them enough so as to warn them, even if they're not going to believe us. We need to tell them a day of judgment is coming. That is the way the gospel is constantly preached. John the Baptist preached, a day of judgment is coming. Jesus preached, a day of judgment is coming. Paul, Peter on the day of Pentecost preached, judgment is coming. Paul preached, a day of judgment is coming. That is what we need to warn people. And God, by his grace and his spirit, will convict people, yes. And the fear of the Lord will come upon them. So live for the king. Encourage one another and sound the alarm. Finally, to the, those who are unsaved. Your decision matters. Sometimes the gospel can be preached in a way that it's sort of just what we're offering from the Bible is just another, another platter on the smorgasbord. It'd be nice. We'd love you to taste it and experience it, but really it's not essential. It matters. Because the day of the Lord is final. If you are not trusting in Christ, you will perish forever. You'll be cast into hell forever. And the only way out, the only way to be saved is to call on the name of the Lord. He alone can save you on that day. He is alone the one who can provide the atonement for your sins so that the wrath of God on that day won't consume you. We look to the cross to be ready for that day. We need to all be looking to Christ or we will be consumed by the wrath. It will be a day of your disaster. The day that you will perish. And so the decision matters. 
And so repent, turn. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and they realized suddenly that Jesus was the Lord, the King who was going to come and establish the kingdom, they cried out because they knew unless they had made peace with the King, they would perish under his wrath. And so they cried out, what must we do to be saved? It's as we preach the gospel that a day of judgment is coming, that atonement is found on the cross of Christ alone, that the Spirit then works in people's lives to convict them of sin, of the righteousness of God, and the judgment to come. That's a real conversion. So pray for those who aren't saved. But I pray for you, if you're not, that in some way the Lord and his grace would convict you of your sin and put a fear of the day of the Lord on your heart, that you might be ready. Because he is gracious and merciful. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in love, steadfast love, and he will relent. And he'll have mercy upon you. So the day of trumpet is coming. That is how this age will come to an end. And I pray for us here at Chapel Street that we'll encourage each other and that together we can rejoice. Imagine it happened during a Sunday morning service. We all got swept up together on the day of our gladness. Rejoicing before the Lord, seeing our Saviour face to face. Rest in that. Look to the Lord confidently and know that that trumpet blast will remind you you have never been forgotten. That he's come to gather you to himself. I'll pray. Father God, please help us <clears throat> to hear your word this morning, to truly know the trumpet is coming. Lord, to know it in our hearts and not just in our heads. Lord, to live for that day, to ever be ready and awake. Lord, please shake us if we've been put into a stupor, into a sleep by the world around us, if we're being drawn to worldly things. Lord, shake us up, have mercy upon us that we'd be clean to Christ. But Lord, we thank you so much for the safety, the refuge that we have in Christ on the day the trumpet blasts. We thank you that you have gone to prepare a place for us. We thank you that we have a seat at the table. And we thank you that we shall rest and rejoice and be glad forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so, Father, we pray, Maranatha, come, Lord, come.